All right. It is awesome to be together. You know, our hope is that uh, you feel like you belong here, because you do. I was driving into, into church this morning, and if you drive through Maple Valley, there's this massive sign that says, you belong here. And I was like, well, I'm not going there. I'm going over here. And it's just an advertisement for a, uh, an apartment complex. But it made me think, like, well, where do I belong? And I'm just going to say, we belong here. God's people gathered in his name, and we celebrate his presence in our lives. That's what Sunday's all about. And, um, yeah, it's good. Ashley said something about Krista, so it kind of leaves you in the dark. Is she mad? Is that why this is it's her last Sunday on the worship team? Um, no, they're moving to Texas. So we're actually going to, Eric will be here with her. Her husband will be here next, uh, next Sunday. We're going to pray for them. And then Dana will say what he said loudly, everyone cry. Okay. Um, this is a tough one for me personally, so, because we're buddies. And so, um, yeah. And they do so much here at the church. And so uh, pressure's on you now to, to fill their space. Um, we are looking for a youth leader. Um, we're looking for people. That, I mean, Eric did stuff back in the back of the house all the time. And so we were looking to actually ask people, invite people to come because you belong here. And so let's serve here as we do that. And there's different areas. I mean, there's different levels for us when we come together, right? There's different levels in the relationship process. And Peter, what we've been studying over the last several months, is Peter says that his, his desire for us is to love one another deeply. That's what Peter says. I want you as the church, as believers in Christ, as followers of Christ, to love one another deeply. But how do you get there? How do you love one another deeply? I'm not usually the one that just jumps right into the deep end. Usually not. On our most recent trip to Mexico, we did. Um, but usually, it's, you start off in the shallow end. The pool that we were at actually had a really shallow end. You just is a walk-in pool. So you walk in, and you're just ankle deep. It was perfect. And then you're like, okay, I feel all right. I can take another step. I can take another step. And then before you know it, there are steps. And then all of a sudden, you're five feet deep, which for me is almost over my head. <laughs> that is the deep end. Five foot deep is the deep end for me. So that, I just, that, that's like a lot like the church, right? We want to be together because we belong here. But how do we do that I'm just going to state the obvious. When you step into cold water sometimes, just the way you react is a little awkward. So when we step into church sometimes, the way we react is sometimes is a little awkward. So we have to embrace, I just want to say, we have to embrace sometimes the shallowness. And so how do we get to that deep place? How do we get to that place where we love one another deeply? It starts off with saying good morning. It starts off by showing up, tuning in, and then just taking steps towards the steps to take us deeper. Let's pray. So God, I just pray for that, for this place, for us. 
or different levels of relationship in this room with one another and even with you. And Lord, I pray that you take us deeper. Take us to those real places with you and with one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Had the privilege last night to host our staff um, for a Christmas party. So staff and their spouses um, came. We had 13 of us at our house. Um, talk about embrace the awkward, right? Um, we had a great time. It was really fun. Um, they all experienced my pain a little bit by driving out to our house because it takes a while to get there. Um, but yeah, it was great. We had bacon wrap dates. No? They were fantastic, yeah. Okay, um, yeah, we had all kinds of great, great food. It was fun. Speaking of food, let's talk about Christmas food. Last week we talked about the traditions, the things that we love about Christmas, and many of you were saying, oh, it's our time where we spend with our family. It's the time that we, like, bake together. We um, actually take time off of work and go do things together during this time of year. And um, it got me thinking more this week as Christmas approaches and as we were chopping and preparing all this Christmassy food, um, it got to me thinking about, hey, what do we eat for Christmas? What do we like to eat for Christmas? And I was going to ask you this morning, but okay, I will. Because I'm a foodie. I've told you that before if you've been around. Um, what do you like to eat for Christmas? So chop, Okay. <laughs> So Russell Stowe, uh, you're specific, okay. So chocolate, okay. Coffee cake. Coffee cake, okay. Pecan pie. Pe pecan pie. See, I like pecan pie, but pecan pie is pretty good too, I've heard. Okay, that just takes me to a whole new place, John. Who calls it pecan pie? Okay. <laughs> Who calls it pecan pie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I love pecan pie too, and pecan pie. I love them both. All right. What else? What else do we eat for Christmas? Yes, Bill. Nobody eats fruitcake, Bill. The fruitcake you see in the store is 80 years old because it does not sell. Act Doug. Okay. If you guys will extend your hands to this area of the room, we're going we're gonna to lay hands on that man over there. Actually, I've had really good fruitcake before, and it is actually moist and good. Okay? That's when I'm not using it as a doorstop in my house. Okay? It got me thinking about the different foods uh, and how the world celebrates. I was talking to somebody this week, um, uh, Bakhtiar, this week. Um, and I said, tell us about Christmas. And he said, you realize that in our country, in Kazakhstan, Christmas is only about 30 years old because there was no God in our country until about 30 years ago. And I just never even thought about that. And so it's all new tradition for them. It's all new, like what this whole thing, like we, we take trees from the outside and we cut them down and we bring them inside and we take lights from the inside and we put them on the outside and... It's just the whole Christmas thing, right? So it got me thinking about the different traditions, the different foods that people eat around the world. And so I'm just going to, it just, this stuff kind of fascinates me. And so 
since I'm up here with the microphone, you get to hear about it. So in Germany, my stepmom is from Germany, and so I was like, well, what are they in Germany? And it's, uh, it's actually, in our enunciation, pronunciation is stolen, but it's actually stolen. Am I right, Andrea? Andrea's from Germany as well. And stolen is not fruitcake. It's actually bread, but it has the fruitcake stuff in it. So it's not fruitcake, but it's, so it's fruit bread. Good? Is it good? <laughs> okay. Moving on to Austria, right next door, pretty much. The, some of these are really hard to uh, pronounce. I, I actually probably could, but I'm going to do the best I can here. It's actually a chocolate apricot cake, which sounds really good to me. Um, and I would just say, can I have the chocolate apricot cake? But if you want to really pronounce it, it's not pronounced krumkake. It's uh, it's <laughs> inside joke there. Just made eye contact. Um, it's, is it sacra torta? Okay, was that close? Okay, we'll move on. Okay. <laughs> Um, I love New Zealand. I've never been, and I love seafood. And I was realizing that the, the number one food they eat in Christmas time is they barbecue seafood because it's summertime in New Zealand. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, summertime. So they're barbecuing. I, I like that. I like that idea. Uh, in India, right? India, Udi's from India. They eat this thing called. Palapan, which is rice, they call it rice hoppers. It's rice, flour, and coconut milk. It's basically like pancakes. I'm like, yes, I'll try, I'll try that. In Iceland, they have this thing called haukakut, and it's uh, thinly sliced meat with cream sauce. Costa Rica makes tamales. I like tamales. It's actually, they do it around Christmas because it's a family thing. It takes them about two days to do it, and so they do it together as a family. Um, anybody speak Japanese in here? You can, can you really? Okay. So, not very good with Asian language, and so um, I'm going to do my best to read what they eat in Japan for Christmas. You ready? Um, fried chicken. So, <laughs> number one thing in Japan, they eat KFC. There's 1,000, 1,100, well, there's 1,172 locations of uh, KFCs in Japan, and it's the number one place that they eat for Christmas, is they go have fried chicken. Well, I, I love fried chicken. That's a great tradition. You know, whatever our traditions are um, for Christmas, whether we're bringing trees in or um, lights out or no lights, no trees, whatever, what our traditions are. You know, really, my prayer for us, my prayer for you, is that you experience him this year, that you know him this year, that you experience his peace, the peace that only can come from him, that you experience uh, a sense of hope that only comes from him, that you know that you know that he is with you, that our Heavenly Father sees you and He knows you, that He loves you, that He is with you. The Christmas story is a reminder that we have a Savior. And when Joseph was struggling, 
Jesus' earthly father when he was really struggling because he had some major decisions he had to make. And the major decision was, do I marry this young girl that's all of a sudden pregnant that I'm engaged to? A lot of times we don't think about the practical little things, which wasn't little to him in that moment, trust me. We read it on a page, and it's literally a sentence, and then we move on, and we don't think about, man, what was Joseph really having to go through emotionally there? How were people going to think of him? Because he was an outstanding man in his community. He was respected and, and cared for, and people looked up to him, and all of a sudden, his fiance is pregnant. How is that going to look? So he was struggling with that. In fact, in his own mind, he was like, I'm going to do this gracefully, but I'm going to walk away. I'm just going to walk away. And in that struggle, in that moment, the Lord sends an angel and speaks to him. And says, you know what, Joseph? You're going to have a son. And you're going to name him Jesus. And the reason why you're going to name him Jesus is because he's going to save his people from their sins. It's all part of God's plan to send Jesus to us. It's all part of God's plan to send Jesus to us as Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is the Savior of the world. He came here to live here. And you think of the, again, you think of the, just the real life stuff that Jesus experienced. He, he lived here, he ate here, slept here, he walked here. He loved and cared for people here. He was Emmanuel here. And then he died here. John 3, 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Ashley started off the service with, uh, a song, and the first line was, all these pieces, broken and scattered. And it reminded me this week, I was helping get down Christmas decorations, did that, didn't fall off the ladder, Annie was, stayed on the stage this, this year, it was all really good. Um, but then I was putting stuff back to get ready for today. And there's one box at the very top that didn't have a lid on it, that just had some scattered ornaments that we threw in hastily. And I'm, instead of just one box at a time, I don't work that way, three boxes at a time. Yes, yes, thank you, Mitch, for calling me an idiot. All right, and so I'm going up, going up the thing, and then all of a sudden, right off the top, right behind me, and shatter. I mean, loud shatter, because they were glass bulbs. And so I didn't even look. I knew, it was, I knew there was a lot of pieces. I just finished putting the boxes up, turned around, and from, from a ladder perspective, <laughs> looking down, I was like, wow, that's a lot of pieces, broken and scattered. 
And when, when she started singing that this morning, that, that's the picture that came to my mind. And in the physical realm, I looked at that as like, that, that's a mess. I'm going to have to clean that up, and I did. I wouldn't go into the men's bathroom barefoot, by the way, <laughs> for more reasons than that. Um, <laughs> anyways, swept it up, threw it in the garbage. But, you know, God looks down from his place in heaven, and, yeah, there's a lot of broken pieces that are scattered, right? But God doesn't sweep us up and throw us away. What does he do? He puts us back together. Only Jesus can do that. Why did Jesus come? Because there's so many broken pieces, broken and scattered. And only he can do that work in us. Only he can put those broken places back together and make us even stronger than we were before. It's really incredible when you think about the God of the universe, the one who made it all, came to us. It's because he loves us. We sang that. Ashley's like, Ashley and I did not text back and forth. Hey, this is what the message is. This is what I'm thinking. So she sang a song again this morning that just said, Jesus loves us. He loves me. And when I was sitting in my place, some of you guys, some of my staff saw where I study. <laughs> I study up in an empty attic. <laughs> Uh, in a chair, a single chair right now, um, when I'm at home. And I'm just thinking about how much he loves us, that he is Emmanuel, God with us, and that the children's song came to mind. You know, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, he loves me. And then I have to remind myself, yes, he loves me. Because the Bible tells us that Emmanuel came to us because he wants to be with us. So he did. He did come. Thursday night, uh, this last Thursday night, we did something for the first time. We had, uh, I think, what we called Coco and Carols. I think it'll be a new RCC tradition. Um, as long as Heather's willing to make hot chocolate, um, it was the best. It was good hot chocolate. Who had some? So um, we made so much hot chocolate, four gallons of it, actually. Um, we only did about, drank about a gallon and a half, and that was like 30-plus people. So there's more hot chocolate that you can try uh, this morning, and uh, please try that. But we were, we started off the service, and I just had one of those pastoral confession moments, and I just said, who likes Christmas songs? And you know, some people raise their hands, and then a bunch, you know, I said, who does not like really Christmas songs? Um, and a few, few people, I, let me say that again, a few of us raised our hands. And I'd been praying, God, God, we're going to sing Christmas carols tonight, but I want us to worship you tonight through these songs that were written hundreds and hundreds of years ago. It was one of the best times I've ever had singing Christmas songs, Christmas carols, because it was like spirit-filled. Jesus was here with us. He was Emmanuel in the room. And just to watch people just go deep with him, singing Christmas songs was really an incredible moment. And one of the songs we sang wasn't a song that was written hundreds of years ago. It was written just a few years ago by a group called Elevation Church. And we sang it, and it's it's a, it's a kind of current Christmas song, but here at RCC, we kind of sing it throughout the year, but they pull lines from Christmas songs. You'll recognize it a little bit, 
But the reason why Jesus came and the reason why he is Emmanuel to us is because he came for the unclean. I'm just going to read the lyrics. It's called, Let Us Adore by Elevation. For the unclean, the unholy, the broken, the unworthy, you came. Jesus, you came. For the wounded and for the hurting and for the lost, for the lonely, you came. Jesus, you came. For the outcast, the defeated, for the weary and the weak, you came. Jesus, you came. O come, all ye faithful, bow before your Savior. Come, let us adore the one who came for us. Glory in the highest, praise the name of Jesus. Our King has come. Hmm. Lord, we begin, I take a moment. And we give you thanks for coming to us. For loving us. For seeing the broken pieces that were scattered. And for having a heart of compassion and saying, I'm going to do something about it. And for repairing us, Lord. Lord, as we continue this morning, God, I just pray that you would continue your repair work in us. And we give you thanks for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. We have a Savior who's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We have a Savior who no one stands beside. He is our Savior. And when Israel needed a reminder that a Savior was coming, God sent Isaiah the prophet to them. And in Isaiah chapter 7, he says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. One of my favorite passages in Isaiah is Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It's a Christmas passage, but really, again, what I said last week is for those of us that follow Jesus, every day is Christmas because he is Emmanuel every single day with us. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And I think Isaiah could have just kept going and going and going and going. But really, there's no words that we can really say that even give a glimpse of his greatness but just in our language. And so what word would you use to describe your God this morning? What word would we use? Let's, let's, we'll have a little interaction time. Isaiah says that he's wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. What would we say? Anybody? Restorer. He's a restorer. Mm. Okay, companion. I'm going to repeat for those who are watching it at home. Okay. Provider. Provider. Glorious creator. Glorious creator. I like that. Healer. Healer. Sustainer. Sustainer. Yes. Comforter. Comforter. Redeemer. Redeemer. Protector. Protector. Savior. Savior. Faithful friend. Faithful friend. Wisdom. 
Yes. He is Abba Father. Hmm. He's the Holy One. Good. He does meet all our needs. He's all of those things. And we could actually say, you know what, we're going to call a timeout. We're going to stop the service and we're going to all get out notepads and paper and, and write down all the names of God that we can come up with. And we all have a ton of them, right? And that doesn't even touch who he really is to us and all the things that he's done for us. He is all of those things and so much more. But if a lot of us, if you're like thinking through the Christmas story and Jesus comes, he lives on planet Earth, he does all these miraculous things. In fact, the book of John says that if someone were to write down all the amazing things that Jesus has done, there wouldn't be enough books in the world that could contain it. Jesus lived, breathed, walked, ate, slept, healed, loved, cared for, and then died, rose again, and then ascended into heaven. He is Emmanuel, but if you're a thinker, like I am sometimes a thinker, wait a minute, how can he be Emmanuel if he's not here? How can Jesus be Emmanuel if he is not here? Ah... Jesus took care of that for you and for me. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14 this morning. And I heard Bob say it, for those of you who are watching from home. Yeah, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. We're going to get you a Bible uh, this morning. But Jesus sent his Holy Spirit to us to be Emmanuel to us. And I just want to read a couple passages out of John this morning. So we know that he is with us still, today, now. That he wasn't just a promise to those who were living back in the day, but he, his promises are still for us today. And we're going to pick up in verse 15. This is Jesus speaking to his uh, disciples, and he says, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask my Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you. And be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things 
and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you, Jesus said. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. So Jesus says, I'm going so I can send the Holy Spirit, and he will be with you forever. He will not just be with you, but he will be in you. Later on in John chapter 16, I'm just going to read it to you. But I tell you the truth, Jesus said. It is to your advantage that I am leaving, for if I do not leave, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him, the Holy Spirit, to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world regarding sin and righteousness and judgment. And then just a few verses later in John chapter 16, he says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. I just want to stop there for a moment. He will tell you what is yet to come. I think sometimes we are fearful of what tomorrow brings. And we worry about the headlines that we read. We worry about what we see, what we're experiencing now, the things that are going on in our families. This is a great promise from Jesus that the Holy Spirit will tell us what is yet to come. He's going to be with us in those moments. He's going to give us a heads up on what's to come. And then verse 14 in John chapter 16 says, He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So the Holy Spirit's role in our life as the Holy Spirit comes and fills us, he does that. He fills us, he leads us, he teaches us, he reminds us, he gifts us, and he redirects us. I'm just going to say those again. He fills us, he leads us, he teaches us, he reminds us, he gifts us, and he redirects us. Not only is he Emmanuel, God with us, but he's Emmanuel, God in us now. God in us. And for those of us, again, who say we follow Jesus and we walk with him, with him now in us, there should be a difference in us now. I'm not saying there's not going to be this inward battle, because Paul talks about that. There's a struggle inside. And that struggle is I'm dying to myself, because now that the Holy Spirit is in me, the me in me needs to die. My will needs to go away, and his will needs to come, right? The model prayer that Jesus said, hey, when you pray, here's an outline for you. You don't have to pray this exact prayer, but here's an outline. And one of those outline dots is, God, your kingdom come. Your will be done here as it is in heaven. And a lot of times we like to make it like broad and open. Yes, yes, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Let's just say earth because it's so big and vast. But what if we pray the prayer, God, your kingdom come. God, your will be done in me, in me as it is in heaven. That's a deep, heavy prayer because God says, okay, let's do it. But how, how's those step, what are those steps? The steps are, I need to die to myself. 
No longer am I doing what I want to do. I, want, I need to do what he wants me to do. John chapter 14 started off by saying, Jesus said this, if you love me, you're going to do what I ask. Out of a relationship with me, because you love me, you're just going to naturally do this. I've been accused as a person who likes to cut down trees. Um, <laughs> a fellow tree lover, uh, for those of you watching, Bob Stevens. Uh, I do love trees, but I do have a history of cutting trees down. Um, here on the church property, yes. Um, so I moved to Wilkeson uh, almost a, a year, let's see, 11 months and about 21 days ago. 23 days ago. 11 months, 23 days ago. Math on the fly. Sorry, church. Uh, I moved to Wilkeson, and we had trees in our yard. And guess what now? We have no trees. <laughs> we are redoing our yard, so we took out some old trees. Um, we had some old apple trees that were um, planted originally when the house was built in 1913. And they were, um, they looked like 100-year-old trees. Not healthy 100-year-old trees. They were dying. They were, in fact, they were pretty much dead. And so I cut them down. And we planted, I planted trees. Okay, just for the record. If King County's watching right now, I planted trees. We plan to plant trees out there as soon as you give us the go-ahead. All right. So we planted these. We wanted to do some uh, fruit trees, and so we started doing some research. We don't have a large property, so how do we? So we planted these trees called espalier trees. Have you ever heard of these? I should have been planning ahead and giving you a picture, uh, but I don't have a picture for you. Basically, it's a tree. It's a stick, and it comes up out of the ground, and the and it has two branches that go this way. Straight out. And then it comes up another foot or so, and then two more branches that go straight out. And it comes up another foot or so. They're only about three, three and a half feet tall, and then they go straight back out. The first set of branches are Fuji apples. The second set of branches are Honeycrisp apples. And the third set of branches are Fuji apples. So we planted two apple trees and one pear tree. Don't ask me the type of pears that are on there, um, because I don't know pears, but I like pears. Um, and so we have those three trees, and you have to build a kind of a fence, because you have to attach them to, and they basically vine out, and you prune them and take care of them. And if you see pictures of them, they are loaded. It's one of the most, in fact, if you dri drive through Wenatchee now, if you drive through areas of Yakima, or through, through the orchards and stuff, most of the orchards over there are going to espalier trees. Now, they have limited space, so they're not going straight out, so they angle them up. It's really cool to drive by and see them. You're like, what tree is that? But when, they, when the fruit comes, they are loaded. There's no denying that is an apple tree. 
When you came into my yard a year ago and you looked at those trees in the back, you're like, that's a tree. <laughs> have no idea what kind of tree that is. We're hoping this year, as our trees mature a little bit, we're going to be able to look at those trees and say, that's an apple tree. That's a pear tree. And because the Holy Spirit lives in us, people should be able to look and observe and say, there's something different about them. They might not even know what it is. They might not even be able to say, I don't know what kind of fruit that is. I don't know what, but there's something different about you. And I'm curious. Do we have the answer for the people that, who are curious when they look at our lives and say, you're different? Maybe it's just me, but I've, I've been called different. I think it might be just me. <laughs> but because we have Emmanuel, God, with us, and not, Jesus said, He's not only just with us now, He is in us. It, our life should look different. When people look at us and observe us, we should be different. It should be obvious that there's something going on with them. And as they get to know us, they're like, oh, they follow Jesus. I'm observing what they're going through right now. And even though it's hard, I know it's hard for them, there's a peace in their life. And I don't get that, right? They're going through some difficult things in their home situation because I know because we have conversation, we were in relationship, but they have, in the midst of it, they have joy. How does that happen? I want that. It happens because we have Jesus. We've said yes to Jesus and he fills us with the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit teaches us, and He leads us, and He guides us. And because He loves us, He redirects us. That's another fancy word for saying He corrects us. <laughs> he redirects us because He loves us and He cares for us. I saw a post this week. It made me stop and think. First of all, it made me laugh, but then it made me think. And it said, if the Apostle Paul was alive today, the American church would be getting a letter. <laughs> and, and I just made, yeah, we probably would be getting a letter. Because what, 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 what have we turned church into? It's not just an observation once a week, but our faith in Christ is a moment by moment every single day. It's a promise knowing that his mercies, it's Dan and I's like favorite verse, his mercies are new every morning. And I like to even extend that and say every moment. I don't have to wait till tomorrow. <sighs> I got to wait till tomorrow morning for new mercy. No, his mercy is new every moment of every day. Paul writing to the Galatians talking about the Holy Spirit and talking about how we should be responding and acting towards one another, he said the fruit will be pretty obvious to us. And what is that fruit? What does fruit of the Spirit look like? And I want you to know it's not fruits. There's no plural there. It is one unique looking fruit. 
that has about that has nine different distinctions. I would say like nine different flavors. We had some really unique ice creams last night at our staff Christmas party um, from the place that makes really good pizza in Wilkinson. I should get spon- we should be sponsored by them because <laughs> uh, I talk about them a lot. Um, the most unique ice cream we had, well, we had eggnog ice cream. We had pumpkin ice cream. We had sweet cream, peanut butter chocolate ice cream. We had vanilla, chocolate, malt ice cream. We had peppermint ice cream. We had um, sweet cream. Oh, no. Brown sugar, vanilla bean ice cream. Where did it end up? Do you want to see a profile here? Right here. Okay. It came from um, Carlson Block in Wilkinson. It's a pizza place, but he makes custom ice creams. He usually makes one a week. And, the most, and I've been collecting because I knew we were going to have 13 people over, and he sells out every week. I've been going there on Saturdays when he makes it. At 3 o'clock when they open, they just laugh when I walk in because I've been collecting ice cream. Um, it's not cheap ice cream, but we've been collecting it. And the most unique flavor, he made it about three weeks ago, and I, bought, I only bought two. I should have bought more. Blueberry basil ice cream. I only bought two because you know how I thought, what I thought of it. I was buying five or six at a time, and I saw that one, I was like, I'll buy two. I should have bought five or six because it was very unique, uniquely good. Blueberry basil ice cream. Paul's talking to the Galatians and saying, the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit. Everyone of you that follow Jesus will have these fruit, will have this fruit, And what is that fruit? He gives us a list. It's love. It's joy. It's peace. It's patience. It's kindness. It's goodness. It's faithfulness, gentleness, and it's self-control, the one fruit that we all like to leave out. But I'm not that way. We look at that list and we're like, well, that's not me. That's not me. This God made me, and so I'm not patient. Well, if I'm a follower of Jesus, and he lives inside of me, what does the Bible say? Not what I say about me, not what you say about you. What does the Bible say? If we are a follower of Jesus, we will have this fruit. Now, will it be different levels? Sure. But it will be there. Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's a great flavor. And what would it look like if we individually walked out into our communities and tasted like that? It's a serious question for us as a church. Renton Christian Center What would it look like in our community if we tasted like that? It's humbling to think about. And the reason why it's humbling is because we don't always taste like that. The church today is known more for what we don't like and what we stand against than what we stand for. It's interesting. Interesting times we live in. 
the millennial generation that a lot of us older ones um, look at, we just shake our heads, right? SMH, shake my head. A lot of them that have grown up in the church are walking away from the church or deciding that Sunday morning is not important for them anymore. Just kind of their own, they're on their own journey with Jesus. Now, I'll just say there's a little mis, they're misled there because the Bible is very clear that we need to gather together and be together. Um, there's safety in that, right? But there's a reason why many of them have walked away. It's because we've treated one another a little harshly. Not a little harshly. We've treated one another harshly at times. And we haven't walked in love. Now, what if I disagree with you? What if you don't like basil blueberry ice cream? You know what I say? All right. (laughs) That's not what I said, Mitch Ashbeck. Okay. I still love you. I don't agree with your taste buds here, but I still love you. I can still walk with you and have joy with you. Be patient with me, and I'll be patient with you, right? I need to be good. I need to be faithful. I need to be gentle. Ooh, have we missed that one? Because we're not always gentle with one another. How do we do this? It's really an opening of our eyes and realizing as believers in Christ, we have this fruit. He still is Emmanuel, God with us, God in us today. Not just at words on a page, but his promise is true today. Jesus said, I am with you. I'll always be with you. Always. And his assurance is when he left this this place that he sent the Holy Spirit. It says the Holy Spirit will live in you and be with you. Would you stand with me this morning before we go home? So if you need to be filled this morning, You need some wisdom this morning. You need to be taught. You're lacking a little bit of direction, so you need him to lead you. You've forgotten how good he is, so you need to be reminded, gifted. Maybe some of us need to be redirected this morning. He loves us. Oh, how he loves us. So Jesus, this morning as we take a moment of personal time with you, God, we want to taste good in our community. For your glory, God. That people would know you, that they would know that there's a Savior who has come to pick up the broken and scattered pieces. And God, for those who are watching from home and who are in this room, God, that there's, there are some of us, God, that need to be led today. We might feel a little lost. 
God, that we need wisdom in some of the situations that we're in. We, we're feeling empty, so we need to be filled. We need to be reminded of your goodness. And even our eyes open and being redirected today. Lord, I pray that only, only you can do those things. Only you can lead us, God, to those safe places. Only you can fill us, God. Remind us this week of your goodness. Remind us this week that we are to taste differently. Remind us this week that you are Emmanuel. God with us and God in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you all. Looking forward to uh, spending a great week uh, with family and friends. Next Sunday, week before Christmas, it's going to be great. We'll be praying for the Moonches, um, and uh, we're going to have a kids, little, little kids program next Sunday, part of the service, so please come, all right? Invite your neighbors. <laughs>